eco-renovate. Is this a term you've heard yet? Well, it was actually one coined by a business friend, one of my business besties, on a project that she got to do in Chicago, Illinois, in this really, really cool historical building. So this is what we all have an opportunity to do, is up-level our existing homes, the homes that we're flipping, the homes that we're selling, buying, are just living in. You know, there's a lot that can be done, improve the health of the world, and make these places where we live so much better. Living green or sustainably is about more than saving on your electric bill and doing your part to protect natural resources. It is about a safer and healthier life for you and your family without sacrificing style, quality, or budget. This is a movement to provide all of us with clean air to breathe and water to drink, safe, healthy food to eat, and places to live, and energy to run the places where we live, learn, work, and play. Join your host, Marla Esser-Close, the Green Home Coach, to learn how everyday green homes work for you, your family, and your community. Hey, y'all. I'm Marla, the Green Home Coach, and I'm so thrilled. I'm always thrilled, but I'm extra thrilled today (laughs) to have Sheridan Foster in to talk about this really, really cool project that she and her team did, Eco-Renovate in Chicago, Illinois. Good morning, Sheridan. Good morning, Marla. It's it's great to chat again. I know, right? Um, it's so much fun to, to get on here with my business besties. And fortunately, that's growing. But it is, gosh, there's a growing number of us that actually have this same kind of hopefully help the world and help people help themselves mentality that's under this moniker of green. Although, I don't know, We all seem to be kind of getting a little tired of just green, but I am so excited with this project. I have loved watching it and seeing how it has blossomed. So tell us about how Eco Renovate started. Yes, it was definitely a big deal for Elemental Green because we have, as you know, are very focused on the digital media outreach, the, the education part of it. And this is our first branded renovation. So this is the first time we've certainly covered renovations before mm-hmm. and done really interesting, you know, looked at really, really interesting houses that were either a redo or a, a new build. But this is the first time that we took on a renovation, you know, from start to finish. And it was a lot of learning and a lot of really interesting insights. And it also allowed us to take it sort of one step further and look beyond just the materials that we were using in the build, but also what furnishings we were bringing in. So it got to expand our focus a little bit beyond that as well. So I really enjoyed this project and can't wait to share it with you. Oh, I love it. And I think a lot of times we have like People that are more in the design world that think more about the furnishings and then people that are more in the build and remodel world that think more about the actual features and elements of the structure itself. So to bring both of those together is just such a cool idea because it it really does embody all of the things that happen in our living environment. And there's, I love the fact that there's always something we can do and you definitely picked up on that. So Anywho, so tell us a little bit about this building, because this was what I love the fact that you went into this historical, well-known designer's building and 
just made it so much better. Right. So I have seen in visiting Chicago and visiting the Hyde Park neighborhood, walking through there, I noticed two very, very striking buildings that are near the University of Chicago campus. And they're in amongst an area that's a lot of, of brownstones. And I would go by and say, what is that? That is so striking. They have curtain walls. So the outside yeah. facade is all windows with the supporting concrete in between the window panes. So big, beautiful windows with a, a delicate arch at the top. It's just a fabulous looking super striking building. And so I, I thought, what is that? And so I I looked it up. I tried to figure out what it, it was. And I discovered that it was actually designed by IMP and Araldo Casudo. And they did that in, it was built in 1961. So it is a historic building. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. Nice. And it was built as apartments. It's now condominiums. And the really, really interesting thing is you see a lot of very forward-looking things that they did in that time period that have continued on. But here's this gorgeous modernist building, and that fits in really well with, I mean, Chicago has just fabulous architecture throughout the whole thing. And the University (laughs) of Chicago campus, they've brought in every style from the original Gothic, university Gothic style to brutalist to modernist to, you know, they have everything going on there. And so this is super duper interesting to see this historic thing right in that same kind of an area. So what happened was, as you know, we we saw this and we and during COVID, we had we saw an opportunity to renovate one of the condominiums that were was in that building. And it was a lovely unit on the top floor. Mm. So it had a top floor in the corner. It had windows basically then on two sides of the apartment that were just, you know, walls of windows, beautiful natural light. And I just couldn't pass up on that. So we decided let's jump in there with Eco Renovate and really see what we can make of this space. Wow. So for you guys that are not kind of architectural history buffs, IMP is like one of probably the most famous architects. I am not the architectural. I have a daughter that's an architect, so she keeps me clued in on all these things. But you know your architectural history, Sheridan. <laughs> and, and Chicago, you are so right. Chicago is a treasure trove of architecture. And if any of you have ever not taken the architecture tour in Chicago, I highly recommend it because it's absolutely amazing. And you just don't realize how much history there is in Chicago until you take that, that tour, I think. So here we are with this building in 1961 that's very different from a lot of the neighborhood, right? Because you said it was mainly brownstones. So definitely an icon in that neighborhood, I could think. I know I'm trying to think, gosh, did I pass these buildings last time we went to University of Chicago? <laughs> back that far. But so you come into this building, this condo, and how did you start this? What did you inventory? Everything was there or how did you figure out what to do? So the first thing in taking a look at it was we wanted to stay very true to the roots of the design. So we wanted to keep existing architectural elements. Well, certainly there were things that we were not allowed to change by the rules of a national 
historic oh, building, historic. right? Okay. But even from within the condominium, we wanted to stay ch- true to it, but we also wanted to update it more for how people live today. So for instance, it had a really nice living dining area that you saw when you first walked in and framed by a wall of windows. Mm. But then right next to that was a kitchen that was all enclosed. It was just basically, you know, like a nine by nine box, totally closed off from all natural light, very cramped, one small door to get in, not a lot of counter space, not a lot of uh, (laughs) workspace, not a lot of breathing room, even, you know, if it felt very, very dark and claustrophobic. So Definitely not the way people live right now, Right, not the way where they, and it would have been from the time in the sixties where all of the utilitarian, the working part was all hidden. And then now you bring it out and serve it and it's beautiful and lovely. And then you go back into your, your little dark area, the workroom and and create your, your things. So one of the very first thing that we wanted to do was make that kitchen area uh, tie it in more with the rest of the house, not have it be like a oversized closet that you worked in. So we took down, we planned, we made plans to take down one of part of two of the walls t- to connect it into that main area. So it connects it into the entryway, it connects it into the living room, dining room area. It gives it access to that beautiful wall of windows. So it is now bright and it's a pleasant place to work as opposed to a claustrophobic place to work. And it also fits, you know, modern entertaining much better where everyone wants to be in the kitchen anyway. So now (laughs) we brought the kitchen to them as opposed to, I'm not sure how people would have fit into this tiny kitchen in the day. So that was the big thing. And then the bathroom still had all of the original fixtures. And that was really, really nice. They're very quirky, charming fixtures that had been put in there. The knobs, the shape of the bowls, the, you know, everything was really neat. But it had at some point been renovated with sort of the cheapest tile you could find. <laughs> not very nice, very plain something to not offend anybody, right? You know, (laughs) white tile with a stripe, right? So we wanted to to say, you know, what could we do? But within the bathrooms, it it also had the original tile floors, which were kind of a rectangular mosaic tile, just not what you'd normally see, not the normal little square ones, a little rectangular mosaic. So we wanted to try to retain those and make changes to tie into those while also, again, making those more pleasant and uh, useful places. So, so those were that's what we, do. we mainly tackled in terms of the renovation part of it was, you know, ripping stuff out and yeah. in that way. So I've looked at the pictures. So all y'all that are listening know that I poured through the pictures of these. You will put a link in the show notes so you can see the pictures too, because it's really, really fabulous. And one of the things that struck me so much, Sheridan, is how much you did with color. And, you know, the psychology of color is something that a lot of people are talking right, about right now and how much it affects our moods and our energy levels. And that was one thing that I really noticed because the before pictures were pretty monotone. There wasn't a lot of color in this place. And you really used the color and and not it wasn't a ton of color. It was just these pops of color in certain places. But 
did was that intentional or did it just work out that way? So in planning for this, certainly we wanted to add some wow factor. I mean, you have that wall of windows. That's certainly a big wow. So something that you could bring in that was going to to be a pop, something that was going to make you say, wow, this is really interesting. Let me look at that. And so, yeah, that was very deliberate in terms of how we were going about it. And also from this building, you can look out over the skyline of Chicago. You can see Hyde Park. You can see Lake Michigan. So we were very inspired by Lake Michigan. And so we thought, how can we bring some of Lake Michigan in, particularly into the interior rooms? So you'll see a lot of blues used in that as well. And I love that reflection. I mean, that's not quite biophilic design, but you know, at least it's the hint of the outdoors coming inside. So that's, and we hear so much talk right now about how all these different design factors are really impacting our health and wellness. And I think we're thinking bigger than we did even a few years ago about how we approach these projects and how we can make our spaces not just pretty and not just functional, but like our refuge and just a place that we really feel good coming home to. And that was really one of the things that I saw in this renovation is it just it felt good, from, at, at least from the picture. <laughs> I'm assuming it felt good from being there, too. Yes, it certainly did. And another thing, though, I mean, certainly the design elements were something that we were very pleased to bring in there and very pleased to pop. But we also wanted to make sure that we weren't compromising the eco-friendly building practices, right? So that each of the materials that we brought in, whether it was furnishings or whether it was the actual materials that we did for the build, we wanted to judge it against the standards of what makes a good sustainable product. And that was the really good news is, you know, we very quickly identified some great, great companies to work with that had products that met. You never get anybody that gets every single one of them, but you, I mean, we got ones that really, really did a great job, you know, certified B Corps where we could making sure that folks were paid fair wages, making sure that as they were manufactured, that they were being manufactured in ways that were not toxic to the environment and things that were mindful of energy, mindful of water use, trying to incorporate upcycled or recycled materials in there so that you're not always part of the extractive culture to say, we're starting to, we're going to take from the earth to create this thing give a new life to things that would have been waste. For instance, you know, the the tiles that we use that are just totally no compromises from a design aesthetic. They're just fabulous, interesting, innovative things, but they use recycled granite finds. That would be a, a waste product, right? And that's in there. They recycle within their own facility the parts that are not used. They'll grind them up and use them again. They'll they use non-toxic glazes. So very, very mindful of all of those aspects. Even when they ship it, they will offset the shipping costs with carbon offsets so that you can be sure they've thought through the, you know, all the pieces there. And then when they're in your space, they are very inert. They're not off gassing anything to you. They're, you know, safe to be near food, safe for you to breathe. 
all of those kinds of things. So one of the things we very much did was evaluate everything that we had going against this whole concept of circularity and how could we get that you know, being very cognizant and being very focused on evaluating the impact of these materials, because, you know, you are disturbing things. You want to make sure that you're making it better, not worse. Right. Want to find and sell the value of green homes and features in your clients' projects and homes? I'm Marla Close, the Green Home Coach, and I have built What Makes a Green Home Green audio program just for you. This program offers an easy-to-understand language audio trainings that are easy to consume on the go with resource guides to help you absorb the information and reference it easily in your day-to-day activity. Your investment in this green home knowledge could unlock thousands of dollars more in business for your home projects. Check out what makes a green home green and how it will help you find and sell the value of green homes and features in your clients' projects and homes greenhomecoach.com backslash home pro. I mean, we're all going to have some impact, but minimizing that impact as much as we can, it does take some intention. And once you get the hang of it, it's not a lot, but kind of got to do your homework (laughs) to figure it out. And I love the fact that you had this kind of process of circularity that you were thinking of as you evaluated all the materials and the finishes and everything else that you were bringing in to eco-renovate. So that was, and we'll share that as well on the, in the show notes, y'all, but it's, it's a great way to think because you want to focus on so many different elements that we don't necessarily with so many times we walk into a store or look at something online and we just look at how it looks and we don't look at anything else. We don't look at the performance. We don't look at how it was manufactured, where it was manufactured. You know, did they reuse materials, et cetera. So this process that you came up with Sheridan was really thoughtful on that. And I hope we can get more people to think that way. Certainly, I think that there is a press now that people are starting to to realize that there's more to making sustainable choices than just saying, I put solar panels on my roof. So now I'm done, right? right. <laughs> and it's these these sort of secondary kinds of things that you think of, it's certainly that are helpful for being a positive impact on the planet, or at least a non-negative impact on the planet, but it's also healthier Mm -hmm. for your family. So it's healthier for your family to think about what are the adhesives that you're using to put down your carpet, what is in your carpet, (laughs) what happens to your carpet at end of life, you know, all of those kinds of things as well. Well, and I think so many of us are I think there's a growing trend, I should say, not so many of us yet, that are starting to connect the idea of our personal health is also connected to the bigger world's health and our community's health. Because if we buy a better product, that means the people that are making it aren't exposed to the bad stuff. The people that are interacting with it, installing it are not exposed to that. So it's not just impacting our health, it's impacting all the people that touch that product. And I think that that way of thinking is newer, but I think there's more people starting to get that. And I think that's what's going to be necessary for all of us to make a difference and connecting the dots. So yay. Thank you for starting (laughs) trying to renovate. So the other thing I wanted to talk with you about is you did repaint everything in the, the condo, I think. And I want you to talk a little bit more about the paint you used. Yes. So we used a paint from a company called Recolor. And Recolor Paint is a company that 
is women-led. They are looking to solve the problem of waste paint. So when you're done painting any job, you have some cans left over. What do you do with those? Because generally speaking, they're not something you're supposed to put in the garbage, right? They're toxic. You do in that sense. They don't belong in a landfill. And yet they have, unless you have somebody who has a painting job that's exactly the size of how many cans you have left, they have no useful life at that point. So recolor paint has done a very interesting thing. They take that leftover paint and they filter it and reprocess it and they turn it into paint that can be used again. So recolored. (laughs) And this paint, because it has been, it has gone through, you know, sort of its creation, its mixing, its life, and now this reprocessing, it is lower in VOCs than you would hit with a regular paint because it's already gone through the off-gassing through all of those other steps. So it's sort of naturally lower in VOCs. Uh, They have a range of different colors that they, you can find them on Amazon. You can find them through Habitat for Humanity stores, typically sell them as well. And they, you know, it's a really, really interesting solution. So it's back to that circularity. What do you do at the end of painting? How can you make good use of that paint that would have been something that had to be discarded? Yeah, I, it's such a clever idea. And I, I mean, they had to put a fair amount of science into it because they have certain colors that they will match. So you can buy, I got one on their site and it's like, Okay, that's pretty darn impressive. So they take all this leftover paint and they figure out how to make their palette of colors. So there's definitely got to be some pretty cool science behind it. But I was, wow, that was one I had not heard of. And I'm very excited to see this solution. And it's market priced. So you're not like, you know, paying a gob more to use this paint. So that's even better. I wished I hadn't already painted by the time I learned about it. (laughs) I could have already done that. But it's the more solutions we have to better products for our homes and for our buildings, the better. And so this is another one to add to that. So what was your favorite part of Eco Renovate? I know what mine was. So I would say my favorite part was redoing the kitchen. As I said, you know, opening it up to the lights, bringing in uh, these gorgeous, gorgeous hand-painted fire clay tiles. You know, we talked a bit about why fire clay is a great company. It has, it's a certified B Corp. It's doing all these great manufacturing processes, but they also, all of their tile is handmade. And some of them, including these ones that we used as the accent pieces are not even just handmade, they're hand-painted. Wow. And, and if you look on their Instagram or their You'll see sometimes they'll do a factory Friday and they'll have somebody painting. They'll show somebody painting the tiles. And that's so cool. And you think, oh, that is so zen. <laughs> I just love to love to watch them paint those tiles. And we picked a pattern for the backsplash in the kitchen that it is actually meant to be like the circle that you use when you irrigate. It's from their agrarian collection. 
Uh, so it's if you lived in the Midwest, you've seen the <laughs> circular waters that will go around a pivot and make yeah. yourself a round irrigated field in the middle of a square parcel. That's what it's meant to evoke, and it does. However, in what they call their warm motif, it is a two-tone blue, and it looks kind of like a record spinning. And I thought, mm. you know, Chicago with its jazz scene, with the history there, you know, putting this spinning record motif ar- around the kitchen was certainly a beautiful tile itself, but kind of a fun nod to Chicago. And it's such a pop. So you have the windows on one side and then you've got this pop kitchen on the other side. And it's really, um, there's a big wow factor in it. And I love how it ties. I love too, all the blues, because it really just kind of reflects off of Lake Michigan and makes you feel that connectedness. So Right. In any of the main rooms that we renovated, we made use of a different palette of blues. We made use of different types of this fire clay tile. So we had in the kitchen on the floor, we had, they have a non-slip option. Good. So we had non-slip options and we picked a darker color because coming in with your boots in the winter, we wanted something very practical that (laughs) was going to be easy to keep clean in the sense of not noticing every footprint, but also something that would not compete with those bright tiles, something that could be a dark neutral. And then using glass tiles in one of the bathrooms in a darker tone on the floor sort of, and a lighter tone above, sort of saying the lake and the sky. Nice. So creating that image and that aura. And then one of the beautiful things about fire clay tile is they, tile is they also have all sorts of interesting shapes. And they have one that is very kind of 60s which is a wave shape. And so we took that wave shape and took it into the bathroom with this concept of blue waves. And that was a dark interior bathroom. That's once we opened up the kitchen, that was the last interior room left. So we, again, wanted something that was going to make it be an interesting room to go into and not feel claustrophobic. But also be a very useful and utilitarian room. So that's what we've done there. But I must say the kitchen overall is my favorite. Back to your question with this fun tile. And then we brought in Plyboo Bamboo fronted cabinet done by a company called French Cabinetry. They designed the layout and all of that. They were manufactured here in the United States and and shipped out there with this really, really interesting bamboo plywood that is so interesting at the side of it that we didn't put, you know, how you have the little cover strips on if you have plywood fronted cabinets. We left the edge exposed because it was, it makes an interesting kind of pattern Uh on the side of the, and they create a really nice, crisp, modern look with the flat panels there on the cabinet fronts. And to separate things just a little bit, you know, we tore out this wall, made this big open space, but we didn't want it looking, we did want to delineate the difference between the living room and the kitchen. So we put a big island in the middle there with a a nice thick tarragon bamboo top so we could, you know, have a great big work surface. We went from having almost no counter space whatsoever in, if you saw our before pictures, 
to having this large island as a workspace, having opening up, redoing the layout. So there's now yeah. a big counter space covered with- Move the refrigerator over. Right, right. So we took out a pantry, ah. moved the refrigerator over, created more counter space. And then to make up for that missing space, we have the island now. So that adds storage oh, space. Storage, and yeah. we took the cabinets all the way up to the ceiling. Ah, okay. That's so we, a good thing to do that so many people don't think about. Right, right. So you put the things you don't use as frequently, but you know, make use of all of the spaces. And we could do clever things like there was a vent in there, but we could put a false space on that vent. So it still could get the airflow but we could get all the, it would match all the rest of the cabinets that we were taking all the way up to the top. So we did, you know, we tried to think about what was a good utilitarian way of using this. Right. And it actually made, it makes the space seem so much bigger than it started out. You know, there's now with that Island, there's now a breakfast bar, yeah. uh, but there's also great workspace and great storage space and really lovely, durable, Decton countertops, we chose those because they're very heat resistant, they're stain resistant. Again, they're made with more sustainable materials. Yeah, than, it's an engineered stone, isn't it? It's sintered stone. Yeah. So it is cured not just under heat, like a kiln, but under heat and pressure. Okay. So it makes a very, very hard, durable surface. So those are something that you can spill anything you want on them. You can put a hot plate directly on them. Uh, they're going to continue to look good for the duration there. Yeah. So you didn't, I'm imagining since this was a historical place, you couldn't do a lot with the more structural elements since it's a, a historical building, but you did do, you brought in some elements to help improve the indoor air quality. And I wanted to wrap up with that since we're all so concerned about our indoor space now. Yes. So we took certainly the vents that were coming in or out of the apartment. We put filters over the front of those. So there was, yes, you're still getting the airflow, but you're hopefully not getting the dust or right. as much of the odors or those kinds of things. And then we also in each room put a molecule. So we put in this of varying sizes, depending on the size of the room. We put in these really great air filters that I first actually discovered during the California wildfires and started using for indoor air quality in an emergency situation. Right. But this was putting it into a day-to-day -day situation. So trying to filter out car exhaust, any smells that might be coming in from other apartments, you were kind of nipping them in the bud. And with the latest models, it's really nice because it will not only filter the air, it actually will tell you what it's seen in the air. Oh, wow. So it'll tell you if it's seen VOCs. It'll tell you if it's seen 2.5 PM particles. It will. Wow. So th that's really good and interesting because you can see, oh, what is this? I see that I'm getting a lot of VOCs. Where is this coming from right. Or, right. or whatever? So and the molecule is not just a filter. It actually is an active, it, they call it a PECO filter. It is using electricity to actively destroy the particles as they come in. So it's not just how fine of a particle can it filter out. There is a filter in it, but it's 
if it gets past the filter, it's going into something that is actually trying to destroy the molecules themselves. So you're not yeah. just recirculating them back through the, their air. That's the only one I've ever seen that does that. I, there may be others, but that's the only one I've been able to find. That's yeah, there used technology. Yeah, there used to be ones that were electrostatic, mm -hmm. but the problem with those is that they create ozone. So that you were trading one problem for a different problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a, there's always a trade-off for something. <laughs> well, I am so excited to share this project with our listeners and to give people so many great ideas about how an eco-renovation can happen for themselves or for their clients. And in our parting what would be your one last word of advice to anybody or your one last thought? So it can definitely seem overwhelming when you're taking on a renovation. It seems exciting at first, then it seems overwhelming. And then, <laughs> right. and then hopefully at the end, it feels great because you've, you've accomplished what you set out to do. But my biggest advice would be, you know, there's a lot of information out there and Take a look and understand what your goals are for your renovation. So, you know, for instance, if you're talking about putting in some more, some appliances that are going to reduce your water usage, right? You know, you're not going to be able to find an appliance that is going to do that, that isn't making use of steel. Well, steel uses a lot of energy to process. So you're not going to be able to find the perfect product, but what is the goal of what you're trying to do? Yeah. So in that case, it's the water. So you have to say, well, how can we work with companies that are themselves mindful of reducing waste, of reducing energy, using renewable energy, all of those kinds of things. But look at the goals for your project. And I hope that everyone keeps the goal of a healthier home yeah. as part of one of the underlying principles that you don't want to compromise on. Yep. I think as we learn more and more about all the stuff we bring into our homes, we start to recognize how much more important that is than we gave it credit for. <laughs> so, and there's always something to do, folks. So don't get discouraged. There's Even if it's the little places that you start, that's fine. But doing something is a whole lot better than doing nothing. So day-to-day -day habits or big ego renovates, there's something in it for everyone. And Sheridan, thank you so much for sharing this project with us. I am so excited to share the photos with our listeners too, because a picture is worth a thousand words sometimes. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. And we all love the eye candy. <laughs> I know, right? But I love it when it looks good and it performs well. That makes it even that much sweeter. So well done. I don't even know what else to say. And for all of y'all out there, please check out Sheridan's website as well. They do a great job with tons of resources and material on all kinds of green products and more healthy products. And it's just elemental.green. You're the first one I knew that had a dot .green domain. Any other contact information you want to leave for our listeners? I think that's a great place to start. And if right. you search on hashtag EcoRenovate, you'll find a bunch of articles about this particular project. In fact, I think in the end, we did 18 different articles on wow different aspects, either, you know, by room or by product or history of the building, lots and lots of interesting information to sort through for the person who wants to know every detail. <laughs> well, we'll put lots of links in the show notes for you too. So that'll get you started and get you over to the website to learn more. 
And once again, have a great green day. And thank you, Sheridan. Thank you, Marla. That wraps this episode of the Everyday Green Home Podcast. Get the show notes with all the resources mentioned in this episode. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Want more? Join the Love Your Everyday Green Home private Facebook group for more resources and behind-the-scenes insights. And remember that living a little better and greener is easier than you think.